If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and be turning to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. We're studying through the life of Abraham. And as we're studying through the life of Abraham, we've seen where Abraham was given the promises of God and told him to leave his land of Ur of Chaldees and to travel to a land that he'd never seen before, but that God would reveal it to him. And this man of, of faith and promise follows God all along the way. We saw in chapter 15 where he received the promises of God regarding a, a, a child that would be born to him. Not, his heir would not be a servant or a slave that was born in his household, but someone born out of his own body. We've seen how he had a covenant last week. God cut a covenant with him to fulfill the promises and to even back up the promises that what he said he would do regarding the descendants, that that would take place. When Abram comes to chapter 16, he is armed with some powerful promises from God. Uh, let's just talk about three of those powerful promises. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God said that he was going to make him a great nation. Now, if God's going to make you a great nation, then you're going to have a large following, a large group of descendants, aren't you? So he said he's going to make him a great nation, the first promise he has. You move over into chapter 15, and whenever he, Abraham wants uh, a child and doesn't have one, and he thinks that Eliezer is going to be his heir, God tells him in verse number 4, Eliezer is not going to be your heir, but one that is born of your own body. He shall be your heir. So the second promise is, he's going to be a great nation. Secondly, is someone, a child born out of his body, is going to be that heir. And then in verse 5 of chapter 15, you get a third promise. And the third promise is this, that his descendants are going to be so many, it's as many as the stars in the sky. So from verses 12, chapter 12 through chapter 15, he has three awesome promises regarding his descendants, born of his body, as many as the stars in the sky. Now here's the, here's the question that you want to ask. What next? What, what should happen here as he comes to chapter 16? What should happen now that he has these promises from God that he's going to have an heir, he's going to have a child born of him, and he's going to be as many as the stars? What is next? What should he do? Well, here's the, the right answer is this. Just wait. <laughs> That's the right answer. He got all those promises God gave to him. The answer is just wait. You wait upon the Lord. You wait for Him to fulfill those promises. You wait for all those things to become a reality that He has told you is going to happen. Just wait. But hold on a second. Is it hard to wait? Is it hard for you to wait? Well, that's one of the hardest things we do. It is, is we, we just, waiting is tiresome. Waiting, waiting takes great discipline. Most of us are, are not good waiters, but rather we are good doers. And, and that's the temptation whenever we've gotten these promises from God, and, and God's going to do these things for us, and, and, and what are we going to do? We, we're going to be tempted to do something. To, to do something. And that's exactly what happens. That's what chapter 16 is all about. What you find in chapter 16 is that Sarah 
Abram's wife decides that and feels like that something must be done. Something needs to happen. We're getting nothing done. (laughs) And something needs to happen as far as a child. And she comes up with a plan. And then Abram just kind of follows in that plan. Accepts that plan. What what both of them come to say is this. They're going to help God out. Help God out. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to put a big circle around that statement that says, helping God out, and then right under that, put a star that says, big mistake. Big mistake. One little truth you need to grasp is, God does not need our help. You know what God needed for them to do? Just wait. (laughs) Just wait. God has a plan. God's going to get it all worked out. And we don't need to help Him. Because whenever we try to help God, it is a big mistake and things, things really get messed up. So look what it says in chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. That's the first point you need to see. Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. First fact. Second fact, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. Right? Second fact. She's give, given Abram no children, and they have an Egyptian slave named Hagar who's his, her maid. That's the facts. Sarah then comes up with a plan because her first mistake is that she has a wrong belief. A wrong belief. Look look at her wrong belief in verse 2. Here it is. So Sarah said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. That's not a good statement. Okay, that's not a good statement. First of all, you're going to find one thing about Sarah, and it's all through Sarah's life here. And I'm not trying to be critical of Sarah because she's, far more godly person than I am. But one of the things that's a temptation in her life, and oh, wait a minute, can be a temptation in our lives. She always wanted to blame somebody. She wanted to blame somebody for circumstances in life. Who, who does she blame right here? She says, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. The Lord has, who's she blaming? The Lord. And the Lord has prevented her from bearing children. Is, is that true? No, not true. If, if she would have said this, it, it could have been true. If she had said, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children so far. So far. Right? But because we know the end of the story, don't we? We know the end of the story is what? She's going to bear a child. She's going to bear a son. The son of promise. So, so the Lord has prevented her from having children is just so far. Now, I don't blame her. I don't blame her because she's got some evidence that would point out that that might, that might be how she'd feel. Here's the first evidence. At the time that this took place, she was around 75 years old. Okay, so she hadn't had a child up till she's 75. 
Now that meant, for you ladies know, for that, that meant that she had many monthly disappointments. The anticipation that she's going to have a baby every month rolled around and she had disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And now at the age of 75, more than likely she realizes, and the Bible says that, she is beyond the age of bearing children. She's no longer having that monthly experience. She knows in her mind she's beyond having children. In a natural sense, without a miracle happening, so she's got those three things that would cause her to come and to say, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. She just forgot to say, so far, <laughs> so far. Well, here's Sarah's plan. Based on that belief, here's her plan. Verse 2, please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children through her. Now, let me explain the culture of that time and, and, and why she would make that statement. The culture of that time said that if, if a woman who was the, the woman of the house, it was her, her husband who owned the slaves or servants, but he, they were the masters of the house in a sense. If they had servants, if she was unable to have children, she was barren, that she could take one of her servants and and have that servant to have a child, and when that child was born, she could take that child and raise that child as her own. That's what happened in the culture of that time. So, so what she's doing is she said, I'm going to do what the culture allows. I'm going to let you go in, have relations with Hagar, and if she has a child, she has a son, a child, I will take that child, and I will have a child through her. Right? That's the, that was the culturally accepted thing. The, the problem is, that's not God's plan. It's not enough to do what's culturally accepted. What you need to do is what, what God's plan is. What, what is God's plan? Was God's plan for them to have a son through Hagar? No, that wasn't God's plan. What was God's plan? Wait a minute. Just wait. Just wait. But no, couldn't wait. She comes up with a plan. I have this maid servant, I have her, and, and you can go and you can have a child by her. All right. Sounds like a good plan culturally, but not a good plan as far as God's plan. Now, hold on a second. Sarah made a mistake, but Abram makes a big mistake. A big mistake. Look, look what happens here at the end of verse 2. She said, go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children through her. Listen to this. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Now, let me tell you something, men, and, and, and I love all you ladies and stuff and everything, but, but let me tell you something, men. You've you got to be careful, okay? You've got to be careful. You can't always abide by what your wife says or what your wife's plan is about that. Because sometimes, hold on a second, sometimes God's plan is different than what your wife's plan is. 
And you've got to make sure that you hear God's voice, not just your wife's voice. Now, let me, sh- let me show you why. Your, your wife loves you, okay? I hope she does. <laughs> she, she loves you, and she wants the best for you, and she wants you to be happy, and she wants you to be fulfilled. So drawing that all of this emotion and all that she feels towards you, sometimes she may set forth a plan that Sarah has, like Sarah set forth, to bless you when that's not God's plan. It's all done from a pure motive. It's all done from right. I think Sarah wanted Abram to have a, a son. I think she wanted to have a, somebody to carry on his name and for those descendants have been promised that all that's going to happen. I think she wanted that for the very, very best. But her plan was not God's plan. And so instead of Abram, instead of Abram going and saying, he hears her voice or he listens to her voice, what he should have said is that, hon, I, I know what you're saying and I hear what you're saying, but, but let, let, me ask, let me ask God what he thinks about this. Let, let, let me ask God what he thinks about this, if, if this is his plan. That would have been a whole lot better if he would have done that, but he didn't. He just hears her voice listens to what she says, and is probably going to respond to it, right? Yeah. Look what happens next. And after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife took Hagar the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as his wife. Now look at verse 4. And here's the next mistake he made. He didn't just listen to Sarah. And he went into Hagar. He went into Hagar and had relations with Hagar. That was not the right plan. That was not what God had ordained. It's not what God wanted. But he did it. Why? Because he's just following the lead. Who does it remind you of that was prior to, to this in, in the Bible. I mean, it's, we're only in chapter 16 of Genesis, so it ought not to be... A, who would it be? Adam, right. Eve partook of the fruit. She gave it to her husband, Adam. And what did he do? Did he say, God, should I partake of this fruit? God, is this what you asked of me? Or you commanded me to do? What did he do? What did he, do? he ate. He ate. So in relationship to that, he, she has told him what to do. She's told him, he's heard that, and now he goes in and has relations with Hagar. Well, you're about to find out something that, that you didn't know until this happens next, okay? You're about to find out something. And men, I'll tell you something, you need to listen, you need to listen to what's about to happen here. It's going to help you tremendously, okay, in life, all right, in life. Listen, listen to what happens next. He has relations with Hagar, and she conceived, right? And when she saw that she had conceived her mistress, her mistress was despised in her sight. In other words, when Hagar had relations and with Abram, she conceived, now she is pregnant with a child, and in that state, it almost seems to elevate her in her position that she's now more important than Sarah 
because she's going to be the one who is going to bring forth the lineage, the descendants of Abram. I mean, the greatest thing that a woman could give to her husband was a child, and not just a child, a male child. And so here's Hagar. She's going to give to Abram what Sarah has never been able to give to him in probably 55 years, 60 years. And when she does that, she, she looks and despises it. It means, it means to treat with disrespect. She disrespected Sarah. Now, now hold on a second, guys. Listen to what happens here in, in verse number 5. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you. In other words, this is all your fault. This, this, this is all your fault. Right? Okay, here's a lesson to be learned here, men. Okay, pay attention. This is worth you coming tonight. All right, listen. Listen now. Your wife, your wife does not want you to always do what she suggests. You hear me? Yeah, well, maybe most of the time, but there's going to be some time that she's not really going to want you to do what she suggests. Yeah, and, and be smart about that. Because, see, if you think about it, what, what she really wanted in her heart of hearts, what she really wanted in her heart of she would rather Abram have said, Hun, I'm not going to Hagar. <laughs> I'm not going into your maidservant. I'm not going to do that. I, I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to wait on you, what God's going to do. That would have blessed her a whole lot more than him going into the maidservant. So just because she suggested this and she said, this is what I think you ought to do, he would have been far better off saying, well, I appreciate what you're saying, but I think that I ought not do that. And, and, I, and I don't think that's the right thing for us to do, and I, I'm going to stay with you. And you know what, you know what Sarah, Sarah would have, she would have been floating, because Abram chose, chose her, even though she was barren, over a young woman who might could bear him a son. But oh, Abram's just walking out here and thinking, well, I'll just do, I'll just do whatever. And then, whenever he does whatever, she comes back and says, May the wrong done to me be done to you. It's your fault. What would you do this for? Right? That's what it says. And look what else it says. He goes on and says, I gave my maidservant into your arms. <laughs> well, what a description. Into your arms. But when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. Now, now listen to this. Listen to what he says. She says, May the Lord judge between you and me. In other words, that means, may the Lord decide which one of us is more wrong, me or you. Am I the one that's wrong because I came up with the plan? Are you the one that's wrong because you did the plan? Something ain't right. Well, look what happens. 
But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarah treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. She treated her harshly and fled from her presence. So I want you to, I want you to realize this, guys, in, in relationship to that. The most important thing that Abram, as, a, as the priest of his family, as the leader of his family, is to find out what God wanted him to do. You don't depend on anybody telling you that, even your beloved wife that loves you so much. You find out what God wants you to do, and you abide by and stick by what God wants you to do. Your wife will appreciate the fact that you will say yea or nay to whatever she might suggest if she knows that you have asked God, God, what am I to do? God, what am I to do? But if you don't do that, and you just take suggestions, and you go any direction thinking that I'll just do something, even though it's not something I know that's the right thing to do, I'm just going to do something, then you're going to find out you're wounded, but so is your wife wounded. And you've got to be willing to say yay and nay, because you know what God would have you to do. <laughs> the other day I was looking at a, I was looking at a proverb, and it's found in Proverbs 21. T turn there for just one second. I want to show you, I'll show you where Abram finds himself right now. Proverbs 21, verse 19. Listen to what it says. It is better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and angry woman. Let me read that again for you, okay? Listen to what it says. It is better to live in a desert land than with a contentious and angry woman. Now, let me tell you where Abram is. You know where he is? Abram is living in a desert land with an angry woman. He's troubled on both sides. Living in a desert land with an angry woman. Why? Because... They weren't willing to just wait. To just wait. Aren't you glad, though, in this story? Because you know the rest of the story. I mean, we'll see what God does and takes care of Hagar. We know that Hagar has a, has a son, right? What, what's his name? Ishmael. And, and who is Ishmael? Ishmael is the father of all the Arab nations. Okay. All the Arab nations. God is going to prophesy regarding Ishmael and his lineage, regarding the wild donkey of a man, and, and that's been fulfilled throughout history. All right? So we know that God takes care of Hagar, takes care of Ishmael, and they become a great nation himself. But that's not the son of promise. The son of promise is yet to come, and that son of promise is going to come through the body of Abraham and going to come through the body of of Sarah. Not when she's 75 and he's 85, but when he's 100 and she's 90. I mean, 15 more years between where they are right now, 15 more years of just wait. Just wait. Now, I often wonder, I often wonder, now I wonder if it had been 15 more years if they had, had have waited. 
If they just waited, how long it would be. But for 15 more years, they're going to wait. And don't you know when she's 90, she's given up? <laughs> she's given up. But God comes along, and the angels say, Hey, about this time next year, you're going to have a baby boy. You remember what she did whenever she heard that? What'd she do? She laughed. And what's Isaac's name? Laughter. Every time they say his name, it reminds her that she laughed because she didn't think it could possibly happen that a 90-year-old woman could have a baby boy, the boy of promise. Well, if she could have it at 90, she could have it at 75 as well, right? Because the Lord had not prevented her from having a child. The Lord had prevented her from having a child so far, so far. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for truth, and thank you for your word, and thank you that you fulfill your promises to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Huh? Oh, really?